You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Y'all good? We're here. We're just ending. Here we are. Okay. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Behind the Message with Jason and Chris and Jason. And we're back. We're back. I think I might be the only one that wants to do this. <laughs> That's just the vibe I'm. I mean, I'm getting right now. Um, you know, I emailed them the the questions, and they just didn't seem very happy about it. <laughs> oh, go figure. Hold on. this dead air now i know sorry well we've been i dropped off arlo at the vet or not the vet the groomer over in piney flats and Corey's supposed to pick him up and uh, i hadn't heard from him but then they literally just texted arlo's done so um yeah i don't know they probably hate seeing him come in there so I said, what, can, what are we going to do with him today? I said, just shave him. <laughs> just shave him. She was like, oh, all right. All right. <sighs> Hold on. Okay. Y'all y'all ready to get started? Are you ready to get started? I'm trying. Corey keeps texting me. <laughs> We're waiting on I'm you. I'm ready. <laughs> She's asking me, did I pay already? And no, I did not pay already. But it is expensive. So... And you are I've already told you all how much it costs, right? How much does it how much do you think it costs to shave this golden doodle? Now he's gonna get a bath and get his nails clipped. Hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, one fifty. Y'all are like right in the middle. It's probably about a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty. Closer to hundred and thirty dollars. That's after tip. So yeah. Yeah. So don't get a dog is what we're trying to <laughs> to do here. All right, uh, just kicking things off. What was it's been all summer? Uh, what was the most fun thing you did this summer? Just to get us talking, because none of y'all apparently want to talk. <laughs> I don't want to answer because y'all will make fun of me. Oh uh, well, you are. Gonna, well, we'll save yours. What did, <laughs> how about you? Uh, we had a pretty boring summer. Um, we did recently get a car, which we had to. So. I don't know about fun, but it's definitely more of a peace of mind thing for us. Yeah. So this is basically like recording a podcast with two Eeyores. You're like, <laughs> right. every, even a fun thing isn't that, you know, you turned it into something not fun. Well, you're really not going to like mine. Yeah. We're like the guys in the, the balcony on the Muppets, yeah. the critics. Like yeah. Know? Just, yeah. all right. Yeah, it's it's a blast. It's really it's a lot of fun. <laughs> How about you? I had fun going swimming the other night at the camp. Yeah, there you go. I haven't been swimming in, I couldn't tell you how long, and I had a blast. Good, good. I'll have to tell you afterwards how much that cost. <laughs> <laughs> you might change your mind about how much Was it fun. more expensive than last year's? Well, we canceled last year. Remember, it oh, stormed. Yeah, yeah. It was right. more expensive than it was two years ago. Mm. But No, I had yeah. fun. Yeah, that was always, and that's what's... Two years ago, it was a blast, you know, and you go there, the weather was sort of nice, and you get to celebrate baptism and swim, and there's snow cones, but I think we're got to do food next year, people. We're hungry. Yeah. 
So food would have been really well. That's right in that sweet spot of dinner time. I'll tell you right now though, if we go back there and pay what we paid, we better party and bring food. (laughs) Like we better have a good old time there to enjoy Mm -hmm. it. So Mm -hmm. it's not. I mean, it wasn't like a thousand dollars, but you know, it's still it was more than fifty. So. Um, you know, I struggled answering this myself. I don't really know. I think an unexpected one, um, we went and saw a band called Emory in Asheville, me and Corey did, and the last time we saw them, we were married, young, married, no kids, and saw them play in Louisville, Kentucky at some rowdy show, or just early 20s, so... It was cool to go back and be old, older people. Like the whole concert was just people that used to be young, and you could tell they're they don't do this often. So, um, yeah, we had a great time. We had a great time. It's all a, a, a rowdy rock band. They're sort of Christian, but that, I mean that's how they started. That was they were like a Christian rock band, and then like every Christian rock band. You know, they kind of slowly not become as Christian anymore. So it's unfortunate, but they were still great. They were great. They didn't cuss like no one. They didn't have a single cuss word the whole concert, which is surprising these days. So you're not even going to get that at a Taylor Swift concert. So, you know. Oh, we need some new guests on this podcast. Um, why are you excited for this to come back? This, I, I mean, apparently you're not, but let's <laughs> let's pretend there like you, you are excited. Okay. For behind the message to be back, what would be your answer if you're if you're gonna lie? I guess to hang out with you, jokers. No, it's <laughs> oh, a lie, isn't it? That's really what I wrote down. It's not a lie. Is it? Yeah. What about yours? I would say the same on that, you know, get to talk about Christian things and make fun of Jason. So, <laughs> are you talking so about yourself that. or me? Which yeah, one? why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so, what's your answer to make us all feel bad? It's not, I mean, okay. it's not, none of it would make you feel bad. I, I'm excited because I just want to explain myself. When I, when I teach on Sunday mornings and you prep a message and you feel like there's probably more to say on that topic um, or more to say on that passage and then uh, you don't have that time frame. So yeah. this gives me that extra opportunity to for all of us to really dive deeper into the, to the Word. And, and to be fair, not everything can or should be said on a Sunday morning. Hmm. If you I like if you're a preacher and you get done and someone says, "Did you say everything that you wanted to say up there?" and if they say yes, then that's a problem to me. That shows me like, well, then you weren't concise enough with what you needed to say. Um, so there's plenty of things I want to talk about on Sunday and and they don't always make it in the message. So here's behind the message. Um yeah, we're bringing it back for this new series that, uh, or new study that we started this past Sunday. I need the every hour. A we'll make a good song. You know, I wish <laughs> someone would write it. 
Um, so, did you know anything about the background of that hymn before Sunday? No. See, you learn new things every week at church. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And her pastor, who the lady who wrote the song, her pastor wrote all the music to it. So, yeah. I think we need, we need more preacher musicians. Is that what I... So how's those mandolin lessons going then? I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it a lot. I still subscribe to mandolin YouTube channels and I'll watch them play it. Um, I told you, Chris, I'm like, at this point, I'm just like reading books and watching shows has been my hobby. Um, and it's been pretty healthy for yeah. the most part. But yeah, I would love to add mandolin back. But let's be real. The idea of doing something's always better than the reality. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But we started this new study. Um, we kicked off in Matthew chapter six, twenty-five through thirty-four, and uh, really a pretty, in my opinion, a pretty stereotypical passage on anxiety. So hopefully, um, even people that have heard that their whole life still got something out of it, and they should have because it's the Bible. But um, before we talk about the main question of that, Chris, just as a recap, yep, yep. what are the Synoptic Gospels? Uh, they are the first three books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, the first three Gospels are called the Synoptic because they're uh, presenting the narrative of Christ's life, uh, his ministry from a point of view held in common by all three. Um, with close similarities in order, content, etc. Right. Uh, the word synoptic literally means, um, well, according to where you look, like together, sight. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's good. I've been trying to, as much as we're able, as we teach on Sundays, to add in how we're how we should be reading our Bibles. Because I, I mean, I grew up in church my whole life. I've never heard. A pastor say synoptic synoptic gospels ever on a Sunday, and if and if it happened to be said, um, I either wasn't paying attention, which might have happened, but um, <laughs> certainly was never explained. And these things are incredibly helpful as we uh, read through the scripture. So yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, when you read through the New Testament, and you're like, hey, I think I just read this account. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because you did. You heard it from. Maybe Matthew's uh, perspective, and um, Matthew and Mark and Luke are writing with different purposes in in mind uh, for a different audience. So um, that gives us a, just a, a better, fuller account of the life of Christ. But it's helpful to kind of know what those are. Um, why isn't John's gospel in the Synoptic Gospel? John's writing his own account. There aren't Luke and Matthew taking off of Mark's to some extent. Some people say, I would agree, yeah. They Mark's, they would say Mark's gospel was written first and then Matthew and yeah. Luke came along and they had that account yeah. and then used that as a source to write their own account. Um, and John, if unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John's gospel is way more Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. He's he A lot of the purpose in... Uh, John's gospel is to show the divinity of Jesus 
Um, and so you get a lot more of that language as you read through John's gospel than you see in the other. So you start out with the lineage, right? Going all the way back to creation. In the beginning. Creation lineage. Yeah. He was there from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And they all had, you know, people that wrote it down for them. You know, Matthew didn't write it himself. They had scribes that wrote it for them as they spoke, so... Just all kinds of fun things maybe we'll slowly go through. But that's not the point of this study. Um, we read through Matthew 6, 25 through uh, 34, and answered the question, why shouldn't we be so anxious? And we're going to answer that question every week, at least for the next three weeks here. And I gave three points uh, for this message, but let me, before we get to point one, let's talk about Anxiety, because I brought it up at the beginning. Things that needed to be said, um, that there is such thing, a, a, such a thing as medical anxiety. Um, is it wrong to take medication for clinical anxiety? Jason Baker, answer yes. that with all the wisdom you can muster. <laughs> it is not wrong to take medication for wrong. clinically. <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So it is not wrong to take medication for clinical anxiety. I mean, there's research shows there's so many different biological causes, chemical imbalances, um, you know, adrenal glands can kind of malfunction and, and cause panic attacks. And there are medical solutions to that. Um, there's naturopathic solutions to that. So for us, to think, you know, to kind of pigeonhole our members into saying that they can't do that. You know, I think we're we're kind of pushing them to the outside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for for a reason that's I don't think is biblical. Right. So, um, you know, I think we there there's definitely a time for medication and you know, we need to, as a church, to embrace that that is there and it's a legitimate need. Right. That's good. So, Jason Payne, how do you know if you need medication? So, I wanted to put that question in there just because I've been asked that question at this church. Um, and trying to be, I try to be tra- as transparent as I can, as transparent as it is helpful, is how I try to say that, um, just with my own personal life. And this is one area where I feel like I'm, it's helpful for people just to hear what I've done. Um, and so when someone asked me that question, I just said, I, I, can't, I can't answer that uh, definitively primarily because I'm not in any professional place to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to Bible college and seminary. Um, so you need people that went to school for these things uh, to maybe give you a better educated answer. But for me, at least, I, I just shared um, that I, I had struggled with anxiety really my whole life. And it wasn't until later in life that I had to look back and say, oh, that was more of an issue than I thought. Like even as a kid, I would be physically sick over 
worrying about something pretty small and meaningless, but it would kill me. Um, and I'd say for most of my life, I've been able to at least manage that. Um, at least, I mean, in some ways, and in, unhe- in unhealthy ways, in other ways, healthy ways, but nothing was like incredibly self-destructive. Um, but I, I did notice that anxiety change when I became the pastor here at East River Park, and which is a side note, is a constant reminder that leadership will only expose what you struggle with. So if you are struggling with something and you desire a greater role of leadership, just know that whatever you're struggling with is going to be exposed through that. Um, and so it, that, that's, I would say that's what happened to me in many ways. It's not like I started at East River Park and I was like, oh, East River Park caused me to be anxious. It's no, the role of leadership exposed what was there and then COVID and everything else. And, you know, every decision you make uh, in the past few years is going to make someone upset. So it got to a point for me where I had these constant feelings of dread, like like the world's about to end, even though there was no very specific reason for me to feel that way. And I had never had that those thoughts ever. Like maybe those things creep and then they go away. This would just sit on you and you're like, yeah, you're not going to sleep tonight because you're going to feel like your world, like you're, everything's about to end right now. Um, and then just a a few panic attacks and I don't think more than two, but one of them happened here at the church office and no one was here and I just left. Um, And I told people like, at least for me, those panic attacks felt like restless leg syndrome all over my body. I just couldn't do anything. I just felt tense and couldn't think and just was like, I gotta get out of here. So. Um, that's when I started to realize, you know what, this could lead to something super self-destructive. Um, and I'm not saying anything like suicidal, although some people certainly do show with that. For me, it was like, I'm going to self-medicate this way, this away in a very unhealthy way as a leader. And I need, I, something has to give here. And so I messaged a nurse in our church and asked her, and I went and Walked into medical care. I didn't make an appointment. I walked in. I was like, hey, I got to talk with someone about my anxiety, I guess. I don't like you feel weird <laughs> doing that. Uh, they, the doctor recommended counseling um, and recommended uh, 50 milligrams of Zoloft that I took for a year. And I did counseling a few times. Um, but I think both of those realities helped me calm down enough to see what I needed to do to move forward so that's what I would tell people like if you if you're feeling so amped up in a self-destructive way that you something has to give so you can calm down enough to see the healthy steps that you need to start making in your life medication might be able to do that for you but again I'm not gonna say that the whole point being is to what you mentioned, uh, Jason, we're not going to demonize mental health issues at East River Park. Of course, 
the Lord can can completely eradicate any mental health issue. I, I fully believe that. Um, but at the same time, we're not going to deny the reality of, of, um, of I, I, I guess I would say, modern medication. And um, so, anyways, that's where it is. I just thought it'd be helpful. I'm not going to bring it up every Sunday for this study, but it needed to be said up front as we discuss uh, these things. So, so the bigger question, trying to go after the heart from the scripture, is why shouldn't we be so anxious? Point one was because our life um, is more than things. Our life is more than things. So for you, Chris, yep. how do material things become idols in our life? Well, I would say anything, not just material things, but anything when we place... Um, those things above God, they become idols. Um, when we pour more time, uh, effort, money on those things um, and ignore talking with God or ignore reading our Bibles, or then those things become idols. Hmm. They get in the way. Um, like, you know, when we just point blank, when we place more emphasis on material things versus uh, the things of eternal value. They become idols. Which I guess in many ways begins to answer your question, Baker. Why are <laughs> idols so dangerous? They lead us away from God. You know, we, we end up putting them in place of God. And um, I put um, Romans 1, 21 through 23. It says, although they knew God, they did not honor him and it as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the mortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So we take it, we replace God with it, and it basically leads to destruction. Mm. Right. Which is a pretty solid pattern that you see if you just read the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's really good. Uh, so, Jason Payne, how do material things uh, create anxiety in our life? Uh, I don't know. I just want the new iPhone. It comes out next month. It's got a USB-C port. You can Is it really? Yeah. You're supposed to switch over all the iPhones to USB-C, which honestly would be super helpful because my iPad's USB-C and... Hmm. I don't have to carry around all these multiple cords, but yeah. Um, see, I think not having the iPhone 15 is creating anxiety in my life. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Um, I'd say this. What you think about the most often uh, is really what you worship the most. Mm -hmm. And you think material things become false gods because they take, they, like, they take over our thoughts. So how, how would that create anxiety in our life? Um, it may not make sense, but I'll say the obvious. These idols, these false gods, are not omnipotent. They're not all-powerful. Um, they're not uh, in control of everything. They're fragile. They break down over time. Uh, they don't last. And so some scripture here, uh, Psalm 135, starting in verse 15, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they don't speak. 
They have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. And then it says, those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. So you, you become what you worship. And if what you worship is false, you become false as well. And that false reality creates, you're, you're not living out who you were meant to be as an image bearer of God. And even um, if you have faith in the gospel, a child of God. And so no wonder that would create a ton of anxiety in you. You're, you're not living as who you were meant to live as. Uh, you're reflecting a false idol, not a holy God. So yeah, it's going to cause a ton of anxiety in, in your life. So hopefully, I know we all feel that. Um, like I know people, I don't know if they'll listen to this or not, but even on Sunday mentioning like when you buy something, it it's not like it. you just never need to buy anything ever again. You buy something, you're like, ah, well, I got to, Buy something else. It's just self-medicating that yeah. anxiety in your life. Um, that that's what's going on here. When you when we do that, we're we're becoming like the things that we purchase um, yeah. and idolize. So I could go on a long rant because I've been listening to a lot of books, but I'll ignore it right now. So let's just go to point two. Because we're more valuable than some silly old birds, Chris. <laughs> How does the Bible, before we get there, this was a chance to hammer some important things in our culture. How does the Bible call us to hard work? Should I preface that to say we brought this up because Jesus is not saying we are like birds. He's saying you're not like birds. And since you're not like birds, here's some implications outside of that passage. How does the Bible call us to hard work, Chris? All right. Colossians 3, 23 through 25 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. In these verses, the Bible calls uh, believers to work diligently and with enthusiasm. Uh, it emphasizes that our work should be done as if we are working for the Lord himself, uh, not just for human supervisors or employees. Um, this perspective reminds Christians that their work has spiritual significance and should be done with an integrity and excellence. Yeah. Um, as we all know, God instituted work with the creation prior to the fall. In Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. Um, so I think as Christians, we need to work hard. Um, we can work cheerfully and without complaint because we are working for the Lord uh, who loves us and has redeemed us. And, uh, you know, maybe the world will take notice of our efforts and, and wonder why. And it could lead to situations where you could share the gospel. Um, yeah, that's a really good full answer because I... <clears throat> we often tend, we think work is either a result of the fall, and then even as Americans, progress in the American life is to avoid work. It's like making things easier and easier and easier so we don't have to work as hard. And the call of the Bible is saying, no, that's not what God has called us to. And guess what you'll be doing in heaven? Yeah. Guess what you'll be doing for all of eternity? 
you'll be working. You'll be working. Now, hopefully you're not going to be working a terrible job. <laughs> well, I know you're not. You're not going to be working some terrible job, breaking your back, and never feeling like you're you're getting it done. Um, but there, there will be work in the new earth. I, I fully believe that. A joyful, fulfilling work um, in ways that maybe your job doesn't feel that mm-hmm. way now. But to your point, it's... You go into most jobs now, it's like there's not a lot of hard workers. So it's easy to say, like, why would I work hard when no one else is doing it? Yeah. Like, yeah, because you're not working for them. Uh, you're working for the Lord. So, um, yeah, that was a helpful answer, Chris. All right, so why should we save money? How does the Bible cause us to save money? We know the birds, they don't have a, a, you know, a Roth IRA. Um, or some CDs, <laughs> but why should we save money? Uh, Proverbs twenty one twenty, uh, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. And I think all through the Bible, you know, our money is a gift from God, just as everything else. And you know, if we truly look at it that way, then we're going to be responsible with it, um, not to have the love of money. But, you know, to realize that God has given that to us for a purpose, and it's uh, a purpose for us and a purpose for us to give to others. Mm. So take care of our needs. Yeah, that's good. Um, I wish I was taught that more at a younger age. Um, But I think of all the money I've blown over the years on music and movies and food I didn't need to eat and all those kinds of random stuff and um, yeah that's it's really good I'll, I'll probably bring it up in the um, giving series next year but just as a teaser I've told Chris about it because I tell everyone it's like when I started you start a new diet you gotta tell everyone about it <laughs> so for budgeting we we've, we've mentioned the every dollar app through Dave Ramsey is super helpful about managing and saving money. And then I recently started using YNAB. It's you need a budget. Um, and there's their model is a lot different and it's a lot more detailed. But if you need resources, on well, I don't have any money to save. I'm like, yeah, well, do you have a budget? Because if you have a budget, maybe you still don't have money to save, but you're never going to start heading in that direction until you start looking at what you're bringing in and what's going out. Um, so it's not just, you know, a good idea. These are practical ways to, to help. And it's been helping us uh, in that area. So, all right. Mm. Well, that's that. Good one for you, Jason Payne. If we have the Heavenly Father to provide for us, does that mean that we won't ever suffer? It's a tough question, isn't it? Um, I'm going to read Romans 5, uh, verse starting verse 3. It says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, <clears throat> knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given, has been given to us. We often only rejoice in material provision. 
But sometimes what we need most is the lack of material provision. Um, not more, but less. So suffering, suffering can be, to say the obvious, suffering is sometimes a sign that we're being sinful. Um, whether we're being sinful with our money, we've made sinful choices, and that's just God's discipline in our life. Um, just because you're suffering right now, um, just if you're suffering right now in a, a sense of like, I don't have enough to live on, it's possible. It's possible that that it's a sign that you were sinful. Uh, I look at my own life like I should have far more saved than I do um, and have far more debt paid off than I do. That's not, and that's that brings suffering in my life. It does, absolutely. But that's not because the Heavenly Father didn't provide for us. He has in every season. Um, it's because of my own sin and my own lack being in love with the things of the world not managing what god has given us um it's it's your own sin sometimes but suffering is sometimes a sin of sanctification happening in real time Um, that the greatest provision is god's love being poured into our hearts through the holy spirit and that that's the most that the heavenly father provide for the greatest thing that heavenly father can provide for us that we've he loves us enough to save us that we've been given the holy spirit and sometimes you're gonna have that gift with a lot of material things and you're gonna have that gift through a lot of a lack of material things but that doesn't mean that the heavenly father hasn't provided for you um so that doesn't answer fully the question i realize that Maybe the best answer is because we just lack a eternal perspective, but um, maybe this will help for you, Chris. Maybe your, maybe your answer will help. How would you counsel a Christian friend that works hard, saves money, but they're just still struggling financially? This is pretty long, so stick with me here. All right. All right. Well, first off, I would start out by praying for them. I'd pray with them. Oh, Chris is back. We're yep. starting back. And then I would advise them to continue to pray about this for clarity and direction from the Lord on their own. Yeah. Um, I would encourage them to continue to work hard and to save and not give up. Um, I would suggest that they have a budget or some type of money tracking app or something that they're tracking their money with to know where it goes. So, um, yeah, so they can see where it's actually going. And then if they're on board and if they do that step, then I would suggest that they go through and see what areas they can cut back on or cut out completely. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, do we really need 15 different streaming services? Do we need to go out to eat every night? Doing my in-laws pay for most of them. (laughs) I wasn't. This is not directed at you, Jason. No, I'm I'm writing all these in. What do I need to do? Um, Let's see. I would make sure... I would make sure that they're giving to the Lord. Um, I'm not saying that you need to go all out uh, at this point, but I would. You definitely need to start if you're not. Continue if you are giving. Right. Um, what you can, and as time goes on, hopefully things get better and that can increase. Um, I would remind. Um, I would remind my friend that uh, financial difficulties can take time to overcome. I would encourage them to stay faithful in their financial practices and trust the will um, that God will provide. Uh, set goals, short-term, long-term, uh, long-term, and work towards them. Uh, be consistent. Mm-hmm. And and if the situation is super dire, if it's really bad, then I would 
definitely seek that they uh, seek professional help. Bankruptcy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I declare bankruptcy. You can't just declare it, Michael. <laughs> um, I wrote down faithful as you were uh, saying that because that's, that's true. Sometimes yeah. it just, you know, most of financial struggles. Now, sometimes things can turn your life inside out in a week and you're like, oh, I don't know where I'll, I mean, you're just financially ruined in a week. But for the most of us, it's a long uh, season, year after year of, of mismanaging money. Yeah. Um, and then you find yourself in that. And so sometimes I just, I, that my encouragement would not try to live in that regret. It's like, it's, if you've asked the Lord for forgiveness, move forward. Just be faithful with today. Yeah. You can't handle, like it's the whole, like you can't be anxious about the past. You can't go back and do anything about it. You can't be anxious about the future because today's got enough trouble for itself. Like just be faithful today with your money. And then over time, if God would, wants to cease fit to show you mercy and grace and, and, completely eradicate that problem awesome and yeah maybe that's just the advice i've told myself so um all right baker you got anything to add to that one no i think it was good all right yeah three um no i'm gonna go back can i add one more thing sure to that just to keep harping on a budget um there's been so many times in church where leadership, and not even just this church, but leadership has tried to help someone out financially, that it's a reoccurring issue. And we ask them, well, hey, can, we bring it, can you bring in your budget so we can go through those things? And they can't. They can't do it. And I'm like, well, that's, that's your biggest starting point. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone needs a budget. Maybe your position, you've, you've figured things out and you don't need it. But people that are struggling financially, if you don't have a budget, uh, you're going to continue to struggle financially uh, for the rest of your life. So um, you got you to gotta know where your money's going. Yeah, um, for sure. So, all right, three. Because we can't add time to our life. Why shouldn't we be so anxious? Can't add time to your life. Baker, how does anxiety rob us of today? Um, I think for one thing, it robs us of our joy. Um, I know, you know, there's anxiety about things going on now, but I think like most anxiety are what might happen or things to come. Mm. And so to get so focused and caught up about being anxious about those things that may or may not happen, then we completely miss today and you know the blessings that are going on around us right now so um not only does it not add to our time to our lives it you know it's like it steals it from us and steals our joy from us yeah it's just like a brutal cycle yeah a brutal cycle uh how much time is wasted how many days are wasted Mm -hmm. worrying about tomorrow um Man, I've been, I guess, how many vacations I've had that have been wasted. 
because I can't enjoy vacation because mm-hmm. you're thinking about everything back at home. So, yep, it's super convicting. The summary point, don't be anxious. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It might not be the um, advice anyone wanted to hear on Sunday, but that's the advice Jesus gave. <laughs> and it's the most important advice. You want to stop being anxious? Then seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All right, Pastor Payne, last main question for you. Do you think we are anxious because we are focused on the wrong things? I 100% think that. Um, and I, I mentioned it on Sunday. Some of the, the most helpful realities in my life. And I texted someone. Someone in, that knew we were. I was going to preach on anxiety. <laughs> we were texting that Saturday or Friday. And they were in an anxious moment. And some of the things that have helped me in those moments is just to stop and think, is this going to matter 10,000 years from now? Or even 100 years from now? And if we're honest, a lot of it just isn't going to matter 10 years from now. But some of the bigger stuff, it's like, it's not going to matter in 100 years. And so we're we're not we're we're focused on temporary kingdoms and filled with anxiety when we should be focused on seeking first an eternal kingdom and his righteousness. Uh, I have a quote here from I think it's from Kevin DeYoung, but just to bring that point home, it says no one will care about your GPA or SAT scores in 10 years. If you win a state championship, you'll be forgotten the next year you don't. Your beauty will get wrinkles and trim figure plump, write a great book and it will gather dust in a library someday. Have a big famous church, it won't last forever. Be an important person in your field, you will still be unknown to over six billion people in the world. (laughs) Build an amazing house, it will crumble someday if it doesn't go into foreclosure first. All of our achievements and successes are destined to be like dead grass and faded flowers, but the word of God stands forever. Amen. Um, So, that, if I can, in those moments of anxiety, I just have to stop and say, well, what are you really focusing on right now? Um, and you can honestly replace that, that word anxiousness or anxiety with almost anything. Like, yeah. you, you struggle with being angry? What are you so mad about right now? And like, well, it's just because someone... Or your little temporary kingdom is not working out how you thought it would. And you're certainly not focused. You're not mad about anything regarding the, the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, so, all right, for you, just to give some clarif- uh, clarification, Gortner, yep. what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? It means, uh, prior to- I can't even say this word, prior to- pri- Prior. Is it pterodactyl? Prioritizing. Prioritizing. Thank you. <laughs> My goodness. Your relationship with God. You're trying to throw a C in there. Yeah. <laughs> living. The I can't get this thing. Get away. Uh, living in accordance with his will and striving for moral and spiritual righteousness before all other worldly concerns. Yeah. Yep. That's good. That's good. All right. We got 
lots more to go through uh, in this uh, study, but we'll end. I couldn't. I don't have a sports question just yet. I don't have any random culture question to end uh-huh. this podcast with. But since we're on anxiety, and I know we're, huh? I thought it fit. Okay, so what's a practical tip or tips would you give someone to decrease anxiety in their life? Now, we give a lot of theological and biblical. We want to give foundations to that. But if you're going to say, if someone says, "What do I need to do with that?" What would what's some tips you would give some people? Oh, I'll go first. Okay. I got a little list here. Uh, exercise, uh, healthy diet, uh, strive for a good night's sleep. Uh, you need to accept that you cannot control every aspect of your life. Uh, learn to say no. Limit screen time. And make time to read and meditate on the word in prayer time. That's good. About you, Baker. Don't watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> Try to simplify as much as you can. Um, and I think going back to, even if you just take time to contemplate, like, what's heaven going to be like? Yeah. And, you know, think about the that perspective just to break that cycle of your brain, like being caught in that circle of, what you're trapped in day in and day out. Man, I just keep thinking of more and more. That's good. That's good. Yeah, the, the very obvious ones we people have to do as Christ followers is pray and read the Bible. Um, but knowing that there's a lot of anxious people that pray and read the Bible every day. Yeah. Um, so uh, I've, even when I did uh, counseling, deep doing deep breathing exercises helped quite a bit. Um, and those are things you can do anywhere. I mean, I was doing some deep breathing, taking those three kids to Walmart by myself, <laughs> you know, but it's something you can practically do in the middle of Walmart while your kids are going nuts. It's just like, make sure you're breathing. Cause sometimes that anxiety is building cause you're not giving yourself enough oxygen to deal with the situation. Um, but for me, this might sound weird, and I brought it up to someone at the pool party on Sunday. I said, we, we really need to fight against becoming a cyborg. Um, by that, I mean, like, we're, we're just so casually becoming always to, attached to technology. Like, that's the new normal. And, and I say that knowing, like, I love technology. I'm reading this stuff off an iPad. I'm wearing an Apple Watch. So you have these devices that are connected to you almost all the time so it's not that we can't use these things it's to be conscious of what they're doing to us and and i've had to stop over the past even few months or even few years and realize that the all i'm doing to my brain is input as if i'm a computer input all day long there's input, and then when I have to do output, output. And I'm never stopping that, ever. There's, like, you can go take a walk. Are you going to, like, just sit and think for a minute? The only thing we do is input, output. 
And then we wonder why we're anxious. And like, well, you're not a computer. So um, that practical advice is finding space, uh, even as small as it might be during your day to say, is there a space during your day where you're not inputting something, inputting information, and you're not being required to output information? You're just existing in God's creation and enjoying it. Um, so I don't think a lot of us do that, especially younger generations. Um, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm guilty of having headphones in all the time because if I've got free time, why not listen to a book? Um, and those can be healthy things, but you have to step back and say, my brain isn't designed just to have information input all the time. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more. I got plenty of tips, but I'll give you that and we'll be done. Who wants to pray? It's a good first round. I will. All right. Father, God, we just thank you for the promises that you have for us, uh, that you are always with us. And as we go through this series of anxiety, Lord, um, just... Show us through your word and be with us. Give us the comfort of the Holy Spirit and just give us the wisdom on how to break this anxiety and, and how to focus on you and to reach out to the appropriate sources uh, when we do need those, Lord. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.